Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Have Solutions, an AT Helpdesk podcast brought to you by Neil Squire, a podcast where we talk about assistive technology, disabilities, breaking down barriers to accessibility, and more. Today, we are joined by my co-host, Nikia Singh. Nikia brings with him decades of personal experience with AT, computing, and much more. In this episode, we touch on home automation, transportation for the visually impaired, and PC versus Mac versus Linux. Without further ado, here's the episode. I was going to ask a dumb question, which is, uh, have you set up Windows 11 yet, or do you have Windows 11? And then I remembered you're a, you're a Linux guy, aren't you? Yeah, but I have to try them. I have to know. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So I picked up a copy of uh, Windows 10, uh, you know, a key, and yeah. then I could use Microsoft's repository, pull down Windows 10, upgrade free to Windows 11, wait for them to release their major patch, which they did, and right. then seeing how that changed things, and then you know, locking that thing down. So, right. but I mean, all in all, Windows does feel nice. Yeah. It's just certainly not as flexible as, you know, I'd like. Okay. The new Windows, Windows 11? Yeah. Well, Windows in general is just not, it doesn't feel flexible. Oh, okay. It feels so corporate and rigid. You can never make it like your own. Really? Right. right. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. It feels like it's somebody else's operating system. Interesting. So yeah. I've never, it- I've never even thought that, that could be something you would feel about an operating system. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean? I mean, I know Windows is so engrossed, but it's it's like when you sit down to something and it's it's more than just putting your icons where you'll want them and making the desktop usable. It's, it's like you want an operating system that has a look and feel that's your very own instead of looking like everyone else's and behaving like everyone else's. Like, it's almost like it, it's a part of, it's an extension. Right. It's an extension of who you are and what you do and it should take care of itself and you shouldn't have to take care of it. So like, is it advantageous for doing things like setting up like macros where you go to turn on your machine and it starts a certain app right away? Like, like what's the main advantage you, you would say? Oh, wow. Try and put Um, it into layman's terms as best you can. Yeah. Uh, First off, it's the theming. Hmm. Um, like say I want it to be very uh, Blade Runner-esque, right? right? Yeah. I'm going to want not just my various startup sound effects, you know, the order of which my applications run and the speed of which they run so that each one finishes at a certain time. Right. Uh, want certain key notification sound effects to trigger on either the beginning or end of certain, uh, certain things. So my, more or less the computer's telling me what it's doing and, I, and I'm aware of it without even looking at it. Um, yeah, there's a complete, uh, operating system feel that's very unlike windows. Like Uh. it just feels very like, you know how, when you see either in uh, either an anime or, or a good movie where these interfaces look so foreign to windows, but they're, but people are using them like it's no big thing. Right. It's like that you can make and make your operating system anything you want it to be that's tailored only to you. Whereas if somebody else sat down in front of it, they wouldn't have a clue how this works. Oh, interesting. But yet it can be beautiful. So because, I'm, yeah, I'm guessing for accessibility features then, right. If you can control your theme, 
then you can control yes. the exact contrast level you want, I would assume, right? Yes. And you could, you could teach it uh, like prioritize. Okay. If, if you, if this magnification is on full screen um, and my keyboard comes up, maybe I want it to only go into a thin bar. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe I just want it to, like, I can tell where I want my, my, um, you can tell it where you want your next visual place to jump to. I want right. to look at this and then I want to jump to that and look at that. It knows what I want when I want it. Like you can teach it to do that. Right. It's, you can't do all of these things with windows. It's something that you use. It's a tool. Sure. But generally people get good <laughs> with the tools They you know, they become a master of them. Right. Whereas windows just doesn't feel like a system where you can gain mastery. You, you get a degree. Sure. But it's not mastery. You know, like somebody who specializes in like using butterfly knives, they're just crazy good at them. <laughs> you know, it's just something they've gotten used to uh, versus, you know, somebody who just picks it up and goes, oh, that's kind of cool. Right. And it's you like, know, I feel like, tool. yeah. And I feel like it's like that with a lot of tools where the more complicated it is to use and learn, you know, obviously yes. the more you can do with it in the end. Um, yeah. But like, what's the process like for someone that is low vision? Like, what's the process like of getting it to the point where it is how you want it? Like, how long does that process take? Uh, well, because everybody's different, it yeah. can take as long as they feel it does. I mean, right. I wish I could really nail that down for you. But for me, yeah. uh, when I install, for example, like Arch Linux, um, what's you Arch have Linux? the world... Arch Linux is a distribution that it's one of the harder, more advanced distributions uh, because it doesn't have an installer like Windows does. It's okay. no GUI at all. It's all, you know, you got to know the code. You got to okay. know this, you know. But so I get to choose initially what kind of desktop environment I like. Okay. Uh, what do I want to integrate or link my graphics card to my desktop? How do I want that to work? Uh, um, my window managers. How do I, what do I want for that? Like, there's so much you got to know before right. time. Right. Uh, yet again, that's research. But you can do the same with a lot of distributions that are a little, a little friendlier. But thing is, the more advanced, the more flexible it is. And the more you can take your dream and make it a reality. Right. As to how con configurable and customizable. But the problem, not really a problem, I guess it depends, uh, is that Arch Linux is bleeding edge. It gives you everything all at once, and it's a sandbox, completely malleable, and it expects you to know enough not to break it. Right. You know, it's very, very advanced. Yes. So when you say Arch Linux, uh, like in my mind, I know of Linux. Is Arch Linux mm -hmm. just one one of the many versions of Linux? Yeah, it's it, Arch is uh, like uh, a branch of Linux and its own operating systems, but then there are many Arch variants. So it's almost like uh, everybody knows Ubuntu, a very easily user-friendly operating system. Right. But yet there are varying distributions of it okay. that run a different graphical user interface that okay. runs it all. Like Ubuntu uses their own uh, Unity. Uh, other versions use GNOME, uh, KDE, XFCE, there's so many different window managers, whereas Windows is Windows and people just expect it to be that. They don't think about how I can change it all, make it my own. They have no idea. It's not a thing that Windows users get to experience. 
it's just windows and it throws all of these icons in front of you and you just gotta uh <laughs> you know poke and your I way mean, around and, and, yeah and, and and to be fair to windows too i guess what you really mean is all other operating systems 99.9 percent .9 of other computing systems are like that <laughs> right that's right that's right and there's and no offense to windows we all grew no, up with course. it it's it's functional it's it's flexible but at the same time it is so entrenched that people don't realize there is so much more and right. in my opinion so much better because of the the philosophies of how the operating system runs is completely backwards right uh, to Microsoft's, uh, you know, their path of how things work. Yeah. Would you ever recommend someone starts with Linux? I feel like you, I feel like Linux is like a master's degree. You need to have, grad, uh, you need a bachelor of arts or a bachelor of something first. Like, <laughs> uh, no, you really don't, uh, especially <laughs> when you want to start out with a distribution that seems to at least, at least initially make sense to a user. Uh, there I install it. It's got an installer and it's talking to me. It's showing me all these texts and all the fun things it does. Uh -huh. and I see a bar at the bottom that, you know, gives me my progress while right. it's installing and then it lands me into a desktop. Right. I see a kind of Mac-ish bar at the top and a, and a application bar that's snapped to the left-hand side of the screen. And, um, and then I can just start clicking things and then find out what things do. Oh, well, there's Firefox. I recognize that icon. Right. You know, oh, there's a picture of a folder that looks like it's a file manager. Okay. Like it looks like a file manager when it opens. Okay. Right. It's got a big orange X in the corner for killing things and a maximize button and a minimize button. Very, very windowsy. You know, there are things about various distributions that can feel comfortable to a new user. Right. Uh, but how things work are entirely different. Like for example, um, you know where your fridge is. You don't got to think about it, but you know the path to get to it. Right. Uh, instead of you going to the fridge to get something, you would have to get up and go there. Whereas, but you know where it is. Now, the idea with Linux is that it already knows where the content is. Right. And you just either use the package manager or uh, which basically brings the repositories of all these servers that have all these applications on it. You just do a search within the operating system and all that stuff comes to you. You do not go get it. It comes to you. Right. It's entirely different right down to the path. Whereas, you know, where you install an application, it's like C colon backslash yeah. and all that. Yeah. Well, in this way, it's different. It goes backwards and we start with a dot, huh. <laughs> you know, things like that. Drives letters aren't letters. They're like SDA and things like that. But most people aren't going to see that or know that because drives are going to be labeled the things they, they like. Right. They can change the names of things, so it's not so bad. But under the hood, it's entirely different, and its philosophies are entirely different. Huh. Uh, and you can really make an operating system your own. And uh, it, you know, you—it's almost like you be—it is an extension of yourself. Whereas Windows, people use Windows, but it doesn't become anything more than a than a tool that you really have to maintenance. <laughs> you know. Right. Whereas Linux take care of itself. The here's a major difference between mm. uh, Windows and Linux is yes, Microsoft releases patches every Tuesday, and then they have a major roll up, which generally causes a lot of issues. <laughs> uh, a lot of the distributions of uh, of Linux are called rolling releases, which means uh, applications install and upgrade uh, in the background 
while you're using an application in memory. But if you ever close it, then you're going to get the new version of that application. Oh, cool. It all happens in the background. But then when you restart, since the applications are already installed and applied, once you've restarted, you're automatically using the newer version. Right. Even the kernel, which is like the core of the operating system, yeah. all rolls up in real time behind you with you without you ever knowing. And you've moved up to the new version without ever knowing. Hmm. It just it just happens behind you. And it, uh, that's how you roll up. You don't go from Windows 10 to Windows 11 in such a jarring way. It's just, yeah, right. Ooh. More gradual yeah. and that's right. You progress and you never notice it. It just happens. That's interesting. You. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and rolling and, releases just do that. Yeah. And I and I wonder too, how do you deal with like certain features and stuff that are missing, like let's say narrator, like Windows narrator. So you go to, mm -hmm. you know, on uh, or rather install um, your operating system. At what point do you get access? Like, do you have to then hunt for all those through third party uh, methods or how do you get access to, to those kinds of uh, built-in features or do they not exist? Oh, they do exist completely. Oh. Uh, and depending on the distribution, those those things are first and foremost. Um, oh. So, for example, oh, which was it? Cute Fish, which is new. And there's another, oh, which one is it? Oh, which one is it? I think um, uh, Zorin. Yeah, I think, okay. yeah, Zorin. Because there are so many. Uh, when you run the installer, first thing it's going to do is wait, especially if you're not a person who sees. Right. Ah. And then it's going to start talking. Oh, okay. And then give you basic instructions as to how to navigate, you know, from each step to each step. Right. And it lets you know of your progress and where you are in the progress of beginning and the end of the installation. Okay. And if the, the, when the accessibility feature kicks in, yeah. it'll ask you if you want to keep it on, yes or no. Ah. And if you do keep it on during the installation, it's just going to assume you want that thing to stay on even, even post-installation. Right. So when the system reboots, it's just there. So uh, even at the beginning, when if you need larger fonts or bold or high contrast, things like that, if you need them during the installation, they will be there and running during the startup of the, of the operating system. Wow. And then you can configure each one from there, from there. I just want to, how do I, I'll just say it, make it easy, uh, mm -hmm. like a start bar of sorts. Right. Okay. So they'll be there in the, in the uh, system tray-esque area. Yeah. So they, you know that they're on, their features can be manipulated from there. Um, or you can go into the settings and fine tune things the way you like. Right. Um, everything is really handy. Right. And that's, that's, uh, mostly because of the, de of the developer since, since Linux is, you know, completely customizable. Right. Uh, to put that kind of thought first is all up to the developers, uh, during, during their process. So like not every operating system will put accessibility features first and foremost, but they are always going to be available. Right. Always. Right. Yeah. Um, and what about easily I was, searchable? I started, right. And that's, that's good too. Right. And the, the fact that it's available out of the box in the way that you describe and then easily mm -hmm. searchable, that actually sounds as good or better than more mainstream alternatives. Oh, true. I mean, I, I know that Windows does not do that, and, but they do have some accessibilities right off the top. Yeah. I know that even on their logging screen, they have accessibilities. 
But the finest example of, uh, of that was when I didn't expect it was the PlayStation 5. It really impressed me. Right. Right out of the box. I plugged it in, did nothing, and waited just to see what it was going to do. So I could, you know, listen to the music and see how it was, you know, experiencing it. And then it just started talking at me. I'm like, this is wonderful. I did uh... nothing, and it assumes maybe I couldn't see it. That was a treat. Huh. I couldn't believe it. Oh, really? How thoughtful that was. Because honestly, yeah. I know accessibility is becoming a, a big deal in gaming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to think that it started like on the initial console firmware, day one, that's what happened. Yeah. Incredibly impressed. Right, yeah. right, right. You're, we're now in the generation where from the box, it's actually being thought of. People know the word accessibility. They know what it means, and it's actually mm-hmm. it's true. It's 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 a bit of a of a renaissance in that uh, in that sense as well. And I've I've noticed it for sure in even in PC gaming, uh, just some improvements being made. Um, I might have mentioned this already, but all the different colorblind modes that are available, not just yes. one, but four or five. Pick your that's right version of colorblindness that works the best. Text size. Uh, you know, UI size, all that sort of stuff being adjustable. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more intrigued by the whole Linux thing. And then it made me wonder too, and then talking about gaming, how does it handle uh, things related to your graphics cards and running video games? Like, does it use the same firmware as I'm already using for my, like, is it AMD software that, that runs the card still or? Well, I could tell you back in the day yeah. of Linux, yeah. um, drivers had to be completely customized, mm. uh, handmade, because initially, of course, developers were not supporting uh, mm. Linux and didn't think it was a viable solution for gaming because people okay. think Linux, they think enterprise. Okay. Uh, because that's what's running all of the servers out there. Right. Um, but nowadays, um, you plug in a graphics card and uh, the kernel is very well aware uh that there it is right and it doesn't give like a windows wdm version it will literally look in the repository find a compatible driver install it and you do nothing oh wow you just it just does it uh and if there's a later version that ends up in the repository it self upgrades you don't know it it just happens unless you go and do it yourself right (laughs) you know it's up to you but most users will probably just leave it alone and let the system do all of the all the lifting and and most users that's what a computer is supposed to do right just let it take care of itself you know uh, i want a game i don't want to you know fidget with drivers and this and that that's that's oh yeah most people me oh yeah other people just you know i i just like how do i know i got the latest version well all you got to do is like you know go into the settings and open the application for uh, NVIDIA or uh, AMD. And there you go, there's your version number. If that's your deal and you like to know what changed, then you know you can know. It tells you, hey, there's some upgrades. You mind if we take them or do you want us to just do it in the background? Which, you know, how do you like it? Right. And it'll just do it and then give you a notification later. Yeah, we upgraded this. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, there's there are some there are some incredibly frustrating moments that that uh, having to do all that stuff manually does present. Yeah, uh, while well, it's in my noggin, uh, mm. I think one of the biggest differences that I really love about Linux and Windows is yeah. you know how whenever you install something, yeah, let's use something that's very familiar. Say, do you remember back? Um, you say like, um, oh, like 
the Move player by Apple or basically any application. Okay. Uh, it installs a, uh, it installs its own service in startup that normally has an icon in the system tray. Right. And this thing is responsible for not just while well, letting you know that the application is running, but also that is its upgrade service. Okay. Yes. That, yeah. That manages the auto updates and all that. Right. Now, that's a service on top of a service for every application you have installed. Yeah. That's incredibly bloaty. Whereas by default, Linux is, has all of its repositories. It checks and compares version numbers to things that you have. Like every file has a version number, every right. single one. Um, so the system just goes, oh, uh, you know, there's, I'm constantly comparing what you have to what is on the server. Huh. And then there's a single system upgrade service that manages absolutely everything. There's nothing in startup unless you wanted something in startup. But if you do, it's only there to indicate that the application is running, not as part of an upgrade service. Right. The system is the upgrade service. So oh, you don't different. have all this excessive blow. You can manage how how uh, how much of a footprint you want your system to have. If you want it lean and, and fast, you can make her like that. If you want her heavy, you know, if you want a tank, you can make a tank. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd so be interested. A huge difference. I'd be interested to know like how that affects things like like startup time and stuff. Like, does it make for a much faster startup time, much faster, just, you know, it application, does. application. Wow. It does because the entire foundation of Linux is different from Windows. Um, so for example, I could take a, um, a um, an operating system that's fully functional, mm. you know, just like Windows until any modern Windows operating system to boot up now on, um, whether it be, you know, say they were running both equal SSDs with no bottlenecks. Right. I could um, start them both up at the same time and the Linux machine will, you know, will just be there. Hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, what can I do? Well, if you want to do office applications, you could do that. If you want a game, you can do that. You can do the exact same stuff, except it happens faster on a much more optimized, you know, operating system that takes care of itself. It's a it's a completely different experience. Um, huh. It's very liberating. Yeah, yeah. Especially for everyone. Everyone has experienced Windows. Well, most people. Right. Um, and what you know, the stuff you got to go through in regards to that. I'm not saying Windows is bad. It's it's neither here nor there. We've all used it. We've all endured various things about it. Things we like, things we don't. Right. Um, but when you're when you're on Linux, it's an it's an entirely different experience. You know. Oh. Um, <laughs> Most people just want to do the basic things and you have a system that will that is not intrusive right and it lets you do what you want and then you can walk away and you know it's going to be okay and i've noticed that uh you're not even you're not even mentioning um you're not even mentioning mac so like uh no uh <laughs> mac is beautiful uh, has a beautiful operating system it's unix uh which is you know basically the foundation of all things uh linux is a derivative of uh of unix the unix source code um it's beautiful i mean i i, I love the mac operating system um you know what's fast it's fluid but anything that is that is very prominent gets picked on um you know um, i think what makes mac hard to digest for me is the hardware itself it's amazing and all of that but 
Apple themselves seem to be dead against the customer. Oh, when yeah. When it comes to any kind of upgrading. Or customization. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, I just watched a huge teardown of the Mac Studio that just released. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful computer. I've seen uh, each with the same model, but two different, two different uh, the SKUs were the same, but two completely different uh, designs inside uh, because they had two major distributors. It's just in case, uh, you know, a COVID block prevents them from having enough supply. Uh, it's very different. Uh, you need, if something is wrong with your operating system and you need to format it or a new machine, sorry, a new uh, SD card gets inside, it is limited by the size, not SD card, but uh, SSD. Yeah. You are limited by firmware of the total size that it can have. Yeah. And if you want to restore your operating system, you need another studio to do it. You need to connect it via USB-C cable from one $3,000 Mac studio to another to restore it. If you want to do it yourself. That seems odd. You can swap the power supplies, no problem. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a problem with that. Uh, you can swap SD cards, like sorry, uh, SSDs. You can do it, but you can't exceed the firmware-based size. Because right. like, uh, you start getting anything beyond one and two and four terabytes, um, the system won't allow it. And then there's like there are so many lockouts in Mac's hardware and its software to prevent a user from doing anything they are more than capable of doing. Uh, but it's the firmware that locks you out. So I mean, most people probably won't care. But when you try to return something to get it fixed, that's when things also really fall apart. Oh yeah. You know, I've heard horror stories. I've seen them. I've, you know, uh, I love Apple as a company. Uh, I love their front-facing customer in that regard, you know, their stores and all that. Right. It's just once you have something and something goes wrong, the customer is helpless to do anything about it. And that's where I think they fail. The operating system's beautiful. It's not the, the operating system that fails. It's their lockouts that fail. And that's where they're very close sourced with, with their uh, closed source, even though it's open source based software. It's it's a very unusual situation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's would you say yeah, their system is lovely? It's it's lovely. It's like it's really pretty, but it's really mm -hmm. uncustomizable. And and yeah, like you really can't. I don't. It's I, like the iPhone. You can't mod that. Like yeah, you get right into it. Yeah, like what you say you about Linux. What you say about yeah. Linux and how it makes you feel—that's like how compared to Windows. That's like how Mac makes me feel compared to Windows, even where it's like, mm. you know what I mean? It's 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 almost like Mac is like if you want to worry not about the operating system or anything contained within it, and you just want to do your thing, Mac yes. is 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 fine. But if you want to, yeah customize change or or you know do anything like that you know windows okay is going to get you started and then maybe mm -hmm. you'll if you really get the taste for it that's when you yes. maybe want to <laughs> switch to linux yeah and and i think that's what's weird is that apple is the paid for linux that people don't know they're paying for like they know they're paying for it but they don't understand what it is and how it works it's like they're comfortable with paying a premium for something that technically um, is very rigid. Um, rigid uh, Windows is more flexible and its hardware you know, is more flexible. People can upgrade their machines, do all that, but you can't with a Mac. Right. Their operating system is, is 
closed source, even though it's technically open, but their hardware becomes the issue, which is the opposite for PC. Yeah, right. And Linux goes, uh, we are open, period. Do what you want. Right. And I think that's that's wonderful. I mean, I love Mac. You know, I love their design. They really put a lot of heart into everything they do. Their operating system is beautiful. It's incredibly uh, versatile in regards to its own ecosystem. Right. Other than that, it does not play nice with anything. Um, Windows, you know, tries to play nice with everything, but unfortunately, it's it needs security patches out the wazoo because there are people of like Windows has been around forever, and uh, any hacker out there is very well aware how Windows was built, and it's easy to take advantage of. Right. Uh, Linux, not so much because if they're building hacker tools, they're generally building it inside of a Linux environment <laughs> and doing everything inside a Linux environment because of its uh, flexibility. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is I'm, Linux malware. Yeah. I should get that out of the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, Linux viruses, incredibly few, incredibly far between. Right. You don't necessarily need a virus scanner, but scanning from a website is uh, is fine. I mean, generally Linux takes care of itself. It generally does not stay the same under the hood very long for right. it to matter. Right. It's almost like how you're growing every day and your skin cells are being replaced every oh, day. That's kind of how Linux works. It just constantly grows and changes, even though a person does not realize it. It's like how we grow up and don't realize it from the day to day. We don't notice that we're growing continually. <laughs> Interesting. And I feel like with Windows, it just gets so it just gets bloated and bloated more and more bloated and bloated and bloated till the point that you have to wipe it at some point. Uh, in yes. This age. And unfortunately, people expect this kind of lifestyle with Windows. They expect this kind of like this is the process. This is the behavior. Right. They think it's the computer that's getting slow and it's not the computer itself right. as hardware, but the operating system. Right. It's it. Windows is a soccer ball that gets a hole in it and you patch it. And this happens over and over and over again until you have a ball made of patches. Right, right. You know, uh, that's kind of it. But I mean, I like what Windows, I mean, Windows now feels like the underdog where Linux, uh, you know, has not, is kind of left that underdog status. Right. And now Windows is the underdog where you may remember before, I remember paying $500 uh, for Windows Vista. Okay. Uh, when it first came out, yeah. I didn't have a problem with the driver issues because I did everything myself anyway. Yeah. But for most users, because Vista's drivers weren't ready when that thing came out, they thought Windows was uh, Vista was the problem when it wasn't. It's, Interesting. All the manufacturers didn't have time to release the drivers. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So none of the like the hardware and the anything was was communicating correctly. That's right. So people thought Windows, there's something wrong with Vista. I'm like, no, to me, I loved Vista. Oh, I did it too. It was a workhorse. <laughs> loved it. it I was felt such a diversion. I remember feeling like uh, when Vista came out, how colorful it felt and how yeah. like modern it felt somehow. It was mm -hmm. like, because I think my prior to that, I believe I had Windows 95. And oh, then, wow, dude. Yeah. And so I, I, I went from 95 to Vista. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a jump. But it, and like in that period too, computing was so uh, expensive and, mm. you know, applications weren't that great to be on. You know what I mean? So I didn't have yeah. as much reason to be, to be using it. I would, I would say during that period, but uh, I remember that jump. Yeah. 
mm, tell me how this would make you feel. You sit yeah. down at a desktop, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a big sci-fi space guy. Yeah. Now you could have like, say, for example, the, the like, uh, you know, all of the planets and all that stuff like that. Okay. Uh, imagine being able to go to a particular planet in 3D Yeah. Uh, to like, say, okay, I start at Earth. I'm going to open some windows here and they are literally um, kind of floating above, above the, uh, the ionosphere of the planet. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And you can rotate around the planet and select the windows you want that you put out there. Oh, wow. Like you, can, you can do that and you're having the proper light sourcing and shadowing because of the sun over there you know, casting its rays and you are blocking out the earth with your windows, which means behind the windows, you can see that lights are coming on over whatever state you're blocking. Do you know what I mean? Wow. You're causing this to happen in real time. Right. Um, And you could go to another planet to keep your stuff organized. Oh, over here on Mars, I have these windows and these applications and they're doing that. And over here on by the sun, I've got, you know, this going on. So it's like you have, it's like virtual desktop, but in a much more meaningful way. You know where things are, not because of a number, but because of a planet. Something you can visualize and go over and touch. You, uh, you know what I mean? Now, Stuff like that. That's, that's Linux. That's what you can do on Linux. This is called wow. Compass Fusion. Um, so, for example, if I wanted to start on Earth, say I had a beautiful, remember Windows XP had that grassy kind of thing when you started up yep. back in the day? Yep. Okay, well, Linux took that and made it 3D. So like there's a wind system going on that blows through the glass grasses. Windows have, um, they have substance and form and weight. So when a, a windows opens, it doesn't float where it just opens. It drops to the grass and crushes the grass underneath. <laughs> you can pull it forward and back and pick a side and put applications all around this little cube, even on top. So the camera will swing up. And there's the application on top. You can go into it and zoom into it as if it's a full screen window, back out of it, move all around. You know, it doesn't have to be so optimized and macroy to be relaxing to use and, right. and, and pretty and engaging. Yeah. And you can get your work done, but you're doing it in a meaningful, fun way. Yeah. You can grab a window and pull it forward as it kind of crushes the grass underneath it. You know, as you're pulling it forward, you can say, okay, I want this to be forward because I'm working on this right now. It helps me organize my thoughts. Okay, I put this window slightly, this cube slightly behind that one. So I know that's what I'm going to be doing next. And you can do it, you know, as far back as you want, but you're doing it in a vista within an environment and not just a desktop picture, but an environment to set up your workspace in. It's an entirely different experience. Yeah. You, you keep coming. Like, it sound good. It sounds good. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. Get me on it yeah. now. <laughs> you could do that. You you can make things like that the way you want. And there's all sorts of like already pre-built themes and environments that people have made. Right. Whether you want your stuff around spheres or on the ground or what have you. Maybe you want it on a small inlet rock that's with a waterfall going down each side. Right. All of that stuff. You could you can have an environment to. In, it's a desktop environment, a real one, you know, that's rendered in 3D. It's really cool. And once you get used to how Compass operates, like it may not be as, oh, I want to use this application now and you're jumping from window to window and like you do in Windows. It's not corporate. It's it's fun. It's interesting. You really get to, you know, your environment based on the objects in the space, not 
just, oh, there's a window over there and it's on screen six or whatever. It's that's so corporate and unfeeling and unemotional and disconnected. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now I'm really is- getting why you're saying cor- corporate so much, because it is the, such the opposite of that, isn't it? Where yes. uh, it's like it's anti like e- how could you have it's your flat workers and static and unfeeling yeah. and unmovable? Which, Whereas which, this is tailor made to your to how you feel, right? And the like, weather changes if it's linked up to a weather system. The weather can change. Oh, it's raining outside. It's right. raining on your desktop. Right. And, and your environment. So your windows are getting beads going down it and all that. It just happens. And then to be fair, though, like it's you know, and obviously we're talking about PC and the application uh, from a personal point of view, and not so much even touching on on corporate applications but it Ooh. does beg the question of of you know what it would be like to have th- that implemented on a larger scale so like what i'm getting at is if you're in an office of 20 people and you're trying to you know provide it and each person has their system set up completely different it seems kind of untenable uh but maybe that's the point uh, it is. It is to the user. It's it's their own. But to a person who knows how things work under the hood, it doesn't they even just matter. You're see saying see the data. Okay. Here's what application is open on. You know. Here's what all is open to them. It looks the same under the hood. Right. But aesthetically, to a user, they're like this. This workspace is my own. Right. You right. Know, and it and it feels right. But, um, but yeah, each one could look entirely different. Because because then on back on the supporting side, again, thinking about the sort of corporate corporate application for for Linux, I there it almost sounds like there's that feng shui element of, you know, yeah. here is my yeah. yeah, here's my office. It is mine. I I like it the way it is and I'm proud of it. And it actually makes mm-hmm. me feel good using it because no one is exactly like, no one's using Windows going. <sighs> exactly that, yeah there it is yeah nobody's just having a good time using Windows. it's corporate it's stressful it's all like these are the same colors there's no texture to the windows there's no rubbing sounds when you move across things with your mouse there's nothing that says i'm interacting with you in a meaningful way i'm clicking a mouse i'm reading reports i'm getting eye strain this is no fun right right <laughs> yeah uh, i like it I like it. Yeah. And, and so, and for anyone that is interested, like, what would you recommend as the first place to start for me or for, for the hypothetical audience? What's like the best way to get started? First of all, can you just put it on a machine that already has Windows? Well, if you're running Windows and you just want to get your first taste of what Linux kind of feels like, uh-huh. uh, you can just download um, the Ubuntu um, um, you know, version. There's two versions. One's called an LTS or long-term service release. Uh-huh. That version is generally three or four years behind because okay. it's that's mostly for like businesses. It is rock solid. They, you know, it's not going anywhere. And when they upgrade, you have to upgrade like uh, by hand to okay. the latest version. Okay. It's, it keeps things completely solid. More for server applications probably or... Uh, that's what most you would use that for, like mission right. critical. Right, right, exactly. Okay. Whereas they now, and this is just funny with a Kubuntu, is it, it's they're in beta right now, but it's it's going to be out. Uh, it's always what is it four and ten, so the tenth month. 
Um, cause they always go off the fourth month, the 10th month. So six okay. month release. Right. Um, they release another whole version, but this version for Ubuntu is their first rolling release. So once you've installed that, that's the only one you need and it will roll up forever. Right. <laughs> wow. uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so you could just download this image, uh, burn it to a CD or USB key. And of right. course they give you very clear instructions how to do that. Right. Whatever your intention is, they, they tell you, okay, if you want this on a USB key or you want to burn it to a CD, if that's still a thing, you can, you yeah. can do that. Yeah. And then you run this thing live. You can run it over your windows if you want, if you have the memory for it. If not, you can pop it in and, and they tell you, okay, if you have this kind of make a computer, you hit this key and then you can select the boot from gotcha. the storage device where your thing is gotcha. and boot it up and try it with no harm to your system at all. Right. And like, how big is the OS? Do you know? Uh, it varies depending on the distribution. Okay. But generally, uh, they I think generally they just say if you got a four gig key or an eight gig key, you're fine. Okay. And most people do. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, of course, there are there are distributions of Linux that uh, like uh, Tiny Core uh, could fit on a floppy disk, mm-hmm. and it's a full GUI based Linux distribution. No way. Yeah, dude. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. Mess with everything. <laughs> the floppy disk is coming back. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, we uh, have floppy disks that play the Doom music, and I think that's cool. That's very cool. A whole floppy drive can do that. Even the Star Wars March thing. It's great. Oh, really? You can configure a floppy drive to do that song. Yeah, in fact, I'll find it and send you the link to it. You'll love it. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> the geek in you will scream. <laughs> well, I was gonna say he he already he already has been uh, during yeah. this, during this conversation. I feel it like definitely like Linux is just undoubtedly undoubtedly just the highest level computer nerd uh, <laughs> conversation, oh, yeah. right? I was gonna say now. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I started like anyone else, yeah. you know, I've been through the highs and lows of, you know, Linux before when, before, uh, you know, manufacturers even cared about us. Right. You know, printers. Oh man. What trying to get a printer to work or graphics drivers or, you know, anything, right. uh, wireless, uh, uh network, uh, wire, you know, Wi-Fi. Oh, what? But anything back then, that was hard. Anything that required drivers. It sounds like anything. Yeah. But now the kernel is so, you know, there's so much support for it now mm. and everything. It's like, especially with major distributions like, right. uh, like Ubuntu and Arch and like uh, Fedora and you know, Debian and all these. It's just, it's just, oh, you have a thing. Okay. Your thing works now. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I feel like I'd be nervous about plug and play compatibility, especially again, you know, talking about the potential for accessibility and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm that you know plug and play might not always like let's say there's a brand new product you know you buy it on day one it's this new type of headset or whatever that mm-hmm. plugs into uh not your usb but your you know some other port or something like i would be yep. nervous that plug and play might not work right off the bat with linux oh in most cases it would because yeah. uh headsets haven't changed very much over the years and okay. use, almost everything uses something called hid Okay. Drivers, human interface devices. Okay. So they, it's, it's like generally accepted that if you're using HID, it's completely compatible and most devices do. Right. So maybe I'm, I'm thinking about drivers a little bit wrong where it's not like uh, every new headset is an entirely new 
driver that's totally unique it's borrowing a lot of the same code from the other drivers that it would already recognize okay that's right it's such a common it's such a common interface standard uh hid windows has been using it forever and everything else is adopted you know hid in those devices right that's why you can plug in a mouse and it just works it's just it uses hid yeah and i suppose where every probably that's an advantage too of how now every input is just USB where you, you know, we remember, obviously we remember when uh, the mouse had a specific input, the keyboard yeah, had a specific you threw it into input. a COM1 or a PS2 port. Yep. Right. So, so oh. now, uh, now it's all USB. So I would imagine that must affect the uh, ease of driver installation where oh yeah because no matter what the interface it always uses hit as a foundation okay they just work yeah right and uh and and we had we had originally said well let's talk a little bit about home automation and obviously this is fine we've had a great conversation um can to try and pivot a little bit towards that direction um can can linux do any it actually i I kind of already know the answer to that question. I guess let me rephrase that. It sounds like Linux has the potential to do a heck of a lot for not only home automation, but PC-based, as we've discussed already. Oh, my goodness, yes. Okay, home automation for Linux. Let's start with something that's... uh, You could take a Raspberry Pi, which is a very tiny computer, low power, very good. Throw on an application called Home Assistant. Okay, Home Assistant is like the holy grail of anything that's automation that you want to run. Right. And it works and it separates the product that you purchased from the manufacturer who made it. Hmm. So you could have, uh, so, if, so say for example, Hue, the Hue system, the Hue, uh, they make their Hue bridge and all that okay. to do all of their stuff. Yep. You don't need their Hue bridge and you don't even need them to exist anymore. Wow. If the product supports, whether it's Zigbee standards, which is Z-Wave or, or all these various standards, you can have uh, either, either, it's just either the Raspberry Pis will communicate with it over Bluetooth or over network or over a Zigbee standard, which you can use a dongle by plugging it into its USB port. If it can be found inside um, Home Assistant, which is highly likely, Right. Uh, it can be configured to work even if you lose your internet connection. It does wow. not matter. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't just say that uh, the that you might have to manipulate a fire he- file here and there. Yeah, and yeah, There's yeah. lots of instructions out there if you have a piece of new hardware that's still a, that people are still messing with. Right. Because you have the supported community of everybody running Home Assistant who wants this problem solved just as much as you do. Right. It's, it's not just you with a problem. It's everybody with a problem. It's a community yeah. helping you solve the problem. Right. And there will be the patches come hard and fast. Right. You know, so yeah, home assistant, home assistant running Linux on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a machine that can run off a battery <laughs> wow. could be like run everything in your house, home automation, uh, geofencing, anything you have, it, it can do it. Yeah, is Home Assistant nice. free? It is. Wow. Feel the freeness. 
that's ins- yes. and, and again we're talking about we're bleeding into more advantages of linux like that i because i was just briefly looking at home assistant software earlier and that software mm-hmm. is very expensive if you buy software through like your phone company for example hundreds of yes. dollars plus subscription fees that are probably hundred dollars mm-hmm. a month as well that's incredible that it's it's free Oh, yes. Like any piece of software is powered by the community. And if they, you know, they have ways for you to donate, if you find it's incredibly helpful and you, and you, you feel inclined. Yeah. Yeah. Be inclined because all you're going to do is encourage things to get better. Yeah. 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 At least, you know, that your money is going to someplace that is already helping you. They've already Mm -hmm. proven themselves. (laughs) Wow. And, and is it just for, is it just for Linux, the home assistant or is it? It it is Linux. So, you know, it, you could pop that thing on an SD card, run it on your Raspberry Pi or any other computer you have, but it, it, it takes up the entire system. So you're probably just going to run that on a, on a Raspberry Pi on the SD card and all your dreams will come true. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. And I see even like, if you, if you were someone that had solar panels, I see yes. that it uh, there's optimization for your solar panels as well. Mm-hmm. It will run. It will run it all. It'll open and close your curtains. You could make complete setups. Uh, if you, I don't know if I can talk about this or whatever, mm. but there's this guy. Yeah. Um, I think his name is Paul Hibbert. Okay. Uh, he's a bald fella in the UK. Okay. And uh, he goes through home automation and stuff all the time. And he was uh very reluctant to get into home assistant and now he's really into it and oh, whatever cool. he yeah he's a lot of fun very much appreciate paul hibbert he's, yeah. he's very entertaining okay but he goes through the ebbs and flow of yeah. you know people loving hugh stuff and home assistant and it's just he he will take you through his house you can see what home assistant has pulled off for him uh, uh, so he's a good person is, to watch to learn about it i would assume then He'll make you feel comfortable about Home Assistant. Right. You know, he'll give you an idea and let you see what he's done himself, so you don't feel so awkward about, you know, transitioning or, or you know, just it's an easy way to learn. Right. By watching somebody else go through it all. Um, there is a device, and I'm trying to remember. I, I looked it up. A boundary. It's basically Home Assistant for people that don't want to deal with Home Assistant. Yes, it's a paid product. Yes, it has a free plan, but it does have pro subscription plans. And it's a security system all in one piece. And it's fantastic as well. He just okay. recently did a comparison between, you know, uh, can Home Assistant do it versus this? And he goes, yes, but you have to put some work into it. Whereas this just is already ready to go because it's already designed to do this thing. Okay. Home Assistant's designed to do everything. So he goes over stuff like that. But it's, you know, it's fun if you just want to learn and see what it's like to run Home Assistant or compare various smart home products and automation. It's it's a fun little channel to learn by. So would you say that with Home Assistant, the the startup is a little bit, there's a little bit of a longer process for installing, configuring, and doing all that? Um, In most cases, not. No, not so bad? Uh, you throw it on an SD card, Raspberry Pi boots it up, it starts up at the screen, there's a plus thing, you want to add a device? Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, and then, you know, it says, you know, go through the pairing process. If we see it, great. If we don't right. see it, then just pop into the forums over here and we'll find out why. But chances are anything you plug in will, or like you pair will work if it's going to pair over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. If it requires Zigbee, the Raspberry Pi does not support Zigbee on its own, but uh, okay. there are dongles that, you know, will do it and you plug it into the Pi and then you have your Zigbee support. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then you'll be able to connect to everything and do it even if the uh, the uh, internet goes down because it doesn't rely on a bridge to reach out to home base to make things work. And you could have your Hue light bulbs working with your uh, with other smart uh, home man- you know manufacturers of lights, scanners, sensors, yeah. everything, and right. this will make them all work together nice. Right. And so for you with your vision, like what kind of things are, would you, would you use lights coming on at a certain time and what, what kind of things would you be using? Oh yeah. Like, uh, definitely I'll give you an idea. Yeah. Uh, so at nighttime, generally I'm already like, if I'm in the middle of something and I'm not keeping track of time, yeah, the lights will, uh, kind of, uh, fluctuate okay. to let me know what time it is. Oh, so say for example, cool. I'm working. Right. Eight o'clock rolls around. Yep. It, it the lights blink. I'm like, oh, it's eight o'clock. Like, so you're getting lots of visual or auditory cues to let me know if I'm in the middle of something, and I'm you know getting a grocery or what whatever's going on. Right. These simple things get my attention uh, unintrusively. Yeah. And uh, you know, so uh, if it's around twelve o'clock at night and the lights are still on, they turn all red, but two of them will go out, so it's red but not very bright just gotcha. bright enough right go near the bed there's lights on this on the underneath the bread the bed that'll come on if i put my feet down ah you know so just things like that um you go near the door there's lights like there's lights everywhere and it's all context sensitive right morning comes the lights fade yeah uh with sundown like sun up and uh sundown sunset you know that kind of thing yeah um or you can set them to any particular time you want. Uh, news broadcasts as soon as the lights go out. News news can kick on and give you an idea of what your day is going to look like. Um, you know, just anything you want. You can configure things any way you want. Hmm. Systems boot up. Applications are already open. You know, um, if you got a smart plug and your coffee machine just comes on once it's plugged in, you know, the, that's already set to go on. You know you can just have all your automation working. And if your internet goes down, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. So it's like your house is just doing its thing for you. And you set up for your smart thermostats. They go off when you're yeah. out, come on when you're near house. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking like, I'm looking at a screenshot of, uh, of the app of, of home assistant. And, and um, it may be, it makes me realize too, uh, you know, someone with either, you know, low vision or maybe real mobility challenges where it's not as easy to like, just step outside and know what it's like outside. Uh, you know, right. you've, you've got your weather and even the wind, because it, I, it looks like the solar panel, if you have that hookup, it actually gauges the wind speed, uh, which yep, is really the wind cool. pressure and all of it. Yeah. And then, and mm-hmm. your who's home in the house is listed there, which is really cool. And then your lights yeah. and your temperature. So yeah, just things like that, that again, uh, you know, an able-bodied person would take such advantage of for you to yep. be able to know uh, just when you wake up kind of thing, what the day is going to be like today uh, and how to dress, you know? Yes. Uh, there is another device that I, I uh, researched. It was called, uh, it's by Morbot. And it's called a scout and it's like a little four wheel drive machine. Okay. Um, with a, you know, it's got camera, you can remote with your device or set it to automate its, its processes. And you could even tell your Google assistant to get it to go. Right. Um, but it is a remote security machine with night vision, the whole deal. And say you couldn't get out of your bed, you know, it's just something you, you can't do. Yeah. And you hear a noise. Well, send scout to investigate it. 
Ah. And, uh, you know, you're seeing out of this, out of the front of this machine. And because it has omnidirectional wheels, you know how wheels all go the same way. Well, omnidirectional wheels can go toward each other. And when it does, this means this device can strafe. Like literally strafe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so if you can't move, at least you're able to research all around your house to make sure everything's okay. Exactly. Yeah. So another fantastic device that will, and you can set its paths, automate its processes. You have these security drones going around your house. They'll self-dock when they need to charge. All of that. Motion detection, everything. For a very reasonable price. price no subscription is required. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, if you, if after describing what it did, you said, now, how much do you think that costs? I would mm-hmm. say a couple grand. And I see it's like $199. It's still, it's yeah, just dude. coming out of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But it looks yeah, you can, like... you can buy it now on Morbot's page. They're available. So about Very for cool. us, it would be like 250 to buy one. Man. Um, yeah, you can buy it from their page. They got Morbot and they got Morbot Zeus. Zeus is for actually battling. He's about four grand. So probably okay. don't him. But the Morbot Scout is designed as a security drone to go about your house and making sure things are cool. That's what oh. he's designed for. Very reasonable price for the stuff you can do. Let's yeah. take firmware upgrades. You know, it's it's a great little little vehicle. And he looks cool too because he's all black and awesome. It is. It is. A, it's a pretty cool little device. I love how they list on their uh, pet companion as yeah. possible. Uh, I don't know how like much my cat's going to want to cozy up. I like you just, there's a video there for it, which you'll adore. It. Yeah. It's all very like covert. Yeah. Uh, he's looking. He's looking the camera, sir. <laughs> the dog yeah <laughs> and they were heading back to base you know really cool it's the i love what they've done to, on their site to advertise it i think it's beautiful uh i am going to get a two of those suckers yeah <laughs> because I, I just love the idea of automating uh those processes and uh, just getting them to go and do for you and if they detect anything while they're going and doing, then you can see it. You just pop it to the mobile device and see what videos it's recorded or pictures it has taken or take control yourself and go investigate yourself. And for you, I would imagine it's, is it easier, like for you to look through the lens of the camera and be able to shove that right up to your face, you would yes. probably have the potential of actually seeing things even more clearly. I would oh, imagine, yes, absolutely. Right? And you're seeing from a perspective that you otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. And see, for right. me, you know, seeing down to the floor, well, you know, that's like standing on top of a building on a, on a cloudy day where the clouds are below that. <laughs> so you're not always going to see the ground great, but if something is already down there, well, you know, you see much better. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's a great device. I've recommended it to uh, to somebody in our IT who is uh, kind of somebody who can't get around very well. Right. And, uh, you know, worried about his security and how could I, you know, if somebody's in my house, how would I know and yeah. all this other stuff. And they could just have this scout go around if they're in bed and just research for them yeah, and make sure everything's okay. And they don't get to worry about it. It'll dock. It's got a two hour battery life when it's on its own. Uh, uh, one hour if you're using the night vision. Right. Uh, but either way, it'll, it'll go in and dock itself and recharge. Mm. It's a fantastic little unit and of course camera technology is so advanced it's like 1080p and yep waterproof i see motion detection cloud storage yeah i wonder if it auto a lot of those systems it'll auto upload 
you know, to the cloud, if you know what I mean, to if they there's a break in. Have or something. A, yeah, they, they do have a subscription if you want that. That basically oh, gotcha. just allows you to send all your like to store all of your stuff in the cloud if that's your right. thing. Otherwise, right. all that stuff goes directly through your other uh, through Wi-Fi direct or through your router uh, to your phone. Yeah. And everything is saved directly to your mobile device. Um, and so you have two options. Wi-Fi Direct lets you control it directly while you're while, while you're near the, the device. Right. Uh, router is so you can connect to the device anywhere. Right. Uh, now they make it very clear that uh, they don't include facial detection, but they could have. Okay. There's a lot of features that they didn't include because of security reasons. I was going to say, yeah, uh huh. Yeah. So they they just say, well, if you're not you. If you don't know who they are, you know, let the police deal with it. Right. But if you know who they are, well, you're going to be able to identify them. Uh, so they just leave it into the hands of, you know, people with brains. Yeah. Think of, <laughs> and because just think of how much of a can of worms you're right. It does open up a probably increases the price of the unit by, by quite a bit and B having to yes. deal with uh, the facial recognition and possible mistakes and then yes. issues with police. And then what if someone gets shot by the police? And you yes. know what I mean? Yes. And see, they don't, and a lot of companies today, what they'll do is they'll store your site, but they don't see your stuff, but they don't want to deal with those repercussions. Exactly. So for example, even on their servers, uh, they have a zero knowledge policy. Okay. So yes, they'll give you a login to be able to do and to store all your stuff. Um, but if you lose that password, they are not going to be able to recover it and you cannot reset it. Right. So like, it's just make sure that, you know, zero knowledge, they have no idea. Yeah. They're giving you access to the servers, but that stuff's encrypted. So if you lose it, you lost it. Right. Create a new account. You know? Yeah. And I guess that's, yeah. that's, you know, as unfortunate as, as it is, how much it would, you know, be, uh, mm -hmm. uh it would, that'd be harsh. It's again, just a control measure that probably saves them a lot of headaches in the long run. It, it does. Um, and you could have as many of these more bots, scouts as you want. There's no limitation to how many of the app will see and use, right. set up their pathways, huh. do all their stuff. And it comes with a language called scratch, okay. which is a visual, uh, a visual coding language. That snaps together like blocks. So you can, you know, create your own custom movements, paths, and all that other stuff. Really? Yeah. It's 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 like a, it is an open source project. It's running on open source code. It's running on Linux. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um it's so great. I uh I love that. Now that and that one, I'm these are it's so fun to talk about all these ones. Now that one, I'm trying to think of like, okay, what, what would I be using in my day to day? That one, maybe not as much, but one thing certainly that I was curious about and I wanted to touch on before I had to go uh, is cooking. What kind of any good stuff happening? Cause I like to cook a lot. I don't know if your vision allows you or if it's something that you're even into just in general, but have you experienced much in terms of home automation when it comes to cooking? Yes, there is a robot that can do that. Oh, there's a robot for that. <laughs> yes, there is. You just snap them to your counter and uh, you they give you a, a diagram to like keep things within his reach. Yeah. Uh, it can identify objects, foods, all these various other things. Yeah. It can has a tremendous reach. It can get things in cupboards and all this. It can literally prepare food. It, it can do it. <laughs> do you cook a lot? I do not have to. Uh, uh, but I, but before I, uh, was where I'm at, yeah. um, 
Yes, absolutely. Everything I prepared myself. Oh, no. Didn't so, have okay. much of a problem, but, uh, you know, you right. find as, as a visually impaired person, you find yeah. ways to know, you know, when water or a particular substance has reached the top of an object or, right. if, or to tell what temperature you set things to, you know, have uh, you, eventually it all just became feel. I mean, it's incredible. Have you seen the season of MasterChef where the visually impaired woman wins the whole season? Actually, I haven't. Oh, it's amazing. She's incredible. She's incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, not only is she doing what you're describing, but Mm -hmm. the really impressive stuff is her ability to taste and just, you know, taste something and get all the flavors and kind of know because she can't look at something. And like in MasterChef, a lot of the challenges have to do with you know, replicating a piece of food. They'll sit down say, here's here's Chef Gordon's famous whatever. You have to mm. eat it and then replicate it. And she was able See, that's to- easy. That's, Yeah. That's easy for us. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. We fingerprint through, you know, different things, different, our, our other senses. We just mm. end up fingerprinting it mm. on, our, on ourselves. Not everybody can do it. I mean, it's different for everybody, of course, right. uh, on your mastery of it. Right. Um, but you can you can master anything with enough time or de- enough dedication. Right. So yeah, this I mean this is just how she's done it. Absolutely, absolutely. When I remember the tastes of pretty well anything I've have tasted. Right. And uh, can say whether something is dead like accurate or not. And I and I, that's exactly what she's doing. And I think yeah. that's incredible. She's fingerprinting a food and duplicating the food. And I yeah. think that's that's wonderful. What was your, what was your go-to dish? What was your, like your, the dish that you had ha- achieved the highest mastery of when you were cooking? Oh, wow. I usually baked everything. Mm. Um, a baker. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I like, I would just buy, um, I like something that's going to sit in my gut for a while, okay. you know? <laughs> okay. especially if you're only eating once a day, which, you know, was the case. Okay. Uh, I know, and it was always very simple things, you know, yeah. uh, we had like, um, um, whether it be fish, um, you know, you cut it, skin it, like bone it kind of thing, whatever. Right. Um, or, um, you know, beef burgers, fries, uh, egg rolls, you know, things you could throw in a pan and walk away. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, generally. Yeah. Or I'd use a rice cooker and make my own rice concoctions. Right, right, right. Or slow cooker as well. Uh, yeah, know? slow cooker would, I would imagine the slow cooker would be, would be a good one. Oh yeah, it's it's basically set forget right. Exactly. The right amount of water. Set your time for eight hours or ten hours and go right. away. Yeah, you just season, <laughs> cut your vegetables, season the you know protein or whatever, and then you're good. I've always recommended slow cookers, like for people who are visually impaired. Okay. Because there's no fuss, none right. at all. And plus the plus it just even when the thing is done, it keeps it warm. There's no fight here. The slow cooker is just no. ideal. No, there's not. And yeah. you're never, you're never going to expose yourself to like boiling anything. That's really, right. right. That's right. Even like, even when you put it very max and it sits for a while, it's like a very slow boy. It's barely, I don't yeah. even think it'd be considered a boil. It kind of simmers. Thing. I guess, yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, okay. Yeah. So, but so, it's like, I've yeah. cooked everything in that and I've yeah. never had a problem with a slow cooker. Uh, okay. So, so that's, that's the biggest recommended piece of, uh, of traditional cookware that you would say for yeah, a big one, get a big one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Get a big one, make big portions. Absolutely. So you can put stuff away. Yeah. 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 
and then you like yeah. something like pulled pork you know which i love to do oh, yeah. supper, right then you've got yep. a lot of pulled pork and you just whip out your bread and and you've got yes you know sandwiches for days yeah like anything in a slow cooker always seems to turn out so beautifully you know right right like stews whatever you throw oh, yeah. in oh yeah yeah oh cool yeah. anything so- that's chicken or whatever just comes off the bone you just gotta know the order that you're supposed to put things in because there's right. certain things you don't put on top of certain things but yeah you know very basic knowledge yeah. once you understand how you know to work a slow cooker not so much right. just work but how to put things in it yeah so that it cooks right yeah and now and now great. in your new spot you don't even have to worry but what do you do with all your time <laughs> uh tech yeah exactly <laughs> it's you... literally just tech finding new resources how does this apply how how can this be great for accessibility you know and and it takes a lot of time just doing the the comparing of objects yeah. like uh, of, of tech to each other and find out what's best for what kind of person do you what love kind of situation? What is do you the need? love not having to worry about cooking now? Like just having someone take care of it for you? Like, do you kind of love that or do you miss it? Uh, well, sometimes, you know, you, you want what you want. Right. Right. right, right. And uh, so, yeah, sometimes it's, it's real nice to get your hands dirty and get right in there and cook stuff. But at the right. same time, if your head's already in the clouds working on other things, just yeah. ask for somebody to just go, you know, come on down, eat so you can go back to what you were doing. Oh my God. I, I, I love that. And can, probably cause yeah. I've been, I've been cooking for myself and you know, my daughter, my family or whatever for the past, sure. you know, 10 years kind of thing. And it's like, okay, I'm ready for someone else to cook for me for a little yeah, bit it's, now. We'll see cooking has <laughs> now become the, the responsibility and it takes away the joy. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for you, I'm sure you're, you're happier to just be focused on, on what you're focused on. Well, it makes it makes it easier, was it? Was it just yesterday? I had, yeah. I had I had to put twenty four of them in the uh, AT thing. Oh wow! Like there's just so much like coming that people are asking. Some questions are really refreshing, and others right. are just like, okay, you know, whatever, I'll help you with that. Right. Just, and then you have to go out and research all these things you never thought of before. Right. So it's but- it's great to have a community that you know people are always asking. So you always got things to look up. I'm curious to see to see more about the cooking home automation though. I just I just went to one th- I just went to one page which is a product called Moly and uh wow that uh, there's some really integrated systems where it, mm. like you've got a um a UI where you're able to look at what you have in storage and use the UI to set like start cooking it it's incredible isn't it (laughs) oh my gosh yeah so have you had you seen but that technology you know compared to the robot we're talking about a couple hundred dollars you know slow cooker we're talking about 30 bucks like these automated kitchen these look very expensive though Oh, yes. Like, have you ever seen the movie Monkey Shine? It came out in thinking the, the 80s. I don't think I have, no. It's about a dude in a wheelchair. Uh, he ended up being a quadriplegic. Okay. Uh, he was a runner, you know, that kind of sucks. He yeah. took a tumble and what have you, but you, this it's a great story. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's actually a, a bit of a horror, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, he has a support monkey. Oh, okay. Um, and it's amazing, but yeah. beyond the support monkey, uh, he ended up living uh, uh, in his mom's place. And okay. This being in the '80s, you wouldn't believe all the tech in place to help this guy do life. Really? 
uh, it's just not getting, that's where I got the idea back in the day. I'm like, look at all this. I got it in robotics and things because of this shit. Oh, really? Huh? Uh, because you're seeing so much, so much uh, like food prep stations, uh, stuff for his television, stuff for his computer. And it was all voice activated to get everything done. Really? It was just for its day, this is unheard of, you know, but it was impressive to see, you know, how it, how food was prepped, how everything worked. It was just incredible. Huh. Yeah. That, that's... And these are like automated systems of the past. I'm like, wow. Right. But I'm sure right. they would have cost just millions of dollars if, like, if somebody were to have even one of these things in their home. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like there's a bit and, and, and even, you know, just quickly looking uh, into the home automation system that I did see, it, it said that, uh, I think it said that it can crack, it can crack an egg, but like it can't cut your potatoes. <laughs> so you still have to, right. cut, you still have to cut your potatoes. Yeah. Here you go, twenty thousand dollar robot system. Here's the potatoes I chopped. Like, yeah, you know, and and it and it's and it's weird. And I always have to laugh at a website that says, "Here's our product, and we're so proud of it," but you're afraid to show me the price. Uh, exactly yeah send me an email or call me like no 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 if you're not even going to show me the price i am not interested right just just show me the price just tell me it's for the 0.1 percent so that we know where we're at yes here. please yeah yeah exactly i don't want to sit there and, and get a hold of you and then have to wait to be disappointed when i can be disappointed now <laughs> and i i would say and tell me if you agree that one mm. of the biggest shifts that let's say from you know 2010 onward in the past decade is that assistive technology is finally not so expensive. I completely agree with that. Like just finally uh, some of it though. Yeah. yeah. We're talking like beautiful e-paper readers, organizers, right. uh, you know, tech because built into the modern day, like low medium and uh, you know, smartphones, right? Like a smartphone alone can do so much, but yet you got to pay pay thousands of dollars for a pair of glasses just to mimic what th what this thing can do. But the phone can do so much more. Right, and I find so why is this? Yeah, but and unfortunately, I find with vision, you guys really get the short end of the straw in terms yes, of we do. of affordability. Like all of the vision based assistive technology, everybody based. knows that blindness is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> we can't see it, so we can't address it. It's interesting, isn't it? It's it is yeah. one that's less it's less addressed than all the other ones. So I wonder what it is about it that people it makes people uncomfortable or or they don't know what to do or say where they just don't want to. And we've kind of touched on it before, but it's interesting that with vision, are there just less people that have low vision than other disabilities? Is uh, that is a good question. Yeah. Uh, but I know there are a lot of blind people yeah. uh, that are invisible minorities because generally they don't go inside because they lack the confidence or the, you know, the things they right, need or the right. education or O&M right. to go out there uh, uh. versus, you know, for example, um, people, even uh, quadriplegics can have their wheelchairs right. get up into a car and right. drive, right? Uh. But blind people don't for, you know, obvious reasons. Uh, and they're like, well, you have to take a bus. I'm like, okay, we have to take a bus mm. or have a handy bus or something, you know, to help us to go to a various place, especially in winter, because canes don't work in winter. 
Right. <laughs> because yeah. you'll hitch up on everything. Oh, really? Um, yeah. 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 Winter, no good. Uh, so having assisted driving and things like that is something that we have to lean on somebody else for. Uh, right. Uh, we used to have free bus support because it's just something we have to use. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, somehow it's just like, oh, no, uh, now you, you have to pay for that. And I mean, I get it's only a bus. I, I certainly understand that. Right. Uh, but it, when, it, when it's your only option. Yeah, yeah. It is your only option. And that would be nice to have that kind of support. Right. That was just like, okay, well, that should just be available. Right. Like the bus is available, but now, you know, you got to pay for that. And yes, I understand you got to pay for that. I, I, I get it. But at the same time, it used to be free. Right. And I, I used to t- take the bus a lot. But then the problem is, is, um, you know, messing with coins. Or what if you dropped one? Exactly. Or all these various other things that most people don't have to think about. No, and they all don't. All of a sudden, now we can't take a bus. They don't have scanners to scan various cards or apps. Right. So that's no good. And even if they do, um, even if they do in, let's say, one big city, that's just one major city. Like, that's right. Doesn't that's mean right. globally that's the case. So the bus is, and especially without the driver letting us know where we are. Right. Or we're running some kind of Google Maps systems on a, on a, on a bus path. Yeah. We're not going to know when to get off. Yeah. So the bus is not really accessible. No. Technically. No. Um. And it makes it worse that you're paying for that inaccessibility. Uh, you see? Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you touched on a really interesting point, which is that because people with vision impairments tend to just kind of quietly try and live their life and also have to choose to just not be out, uh, people right. don't maybe see them as much and then they're just not as uh you know they're not in people's forefront as much people with with vision. that's right like i used to take uh, took the the bus a lot yeah it was free uh and that helped me to get to know all the, the drivers you know and things like that i didn't have to worry about fiddling around with change i didn't have to worry about anything like that you know i showed them a card i was clutching and i you know and yep and I didn't let go of it right and then I would always, you know, be near the driver so I could let uh, ask them, you know, like, please let me know when you've reached this spot. Right. So I could get off. Um, but when you don't know if you drop a coin or you get bumped or something like that, there's no way to scan modern day apps today. You know, all sorts of things can go wrong or especially drivers that are having their own hard day, you know, bless their hearts for doing everything they can. Yeah. But they're not always going to remember that you're there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh. even when they have the PA systems on the bus to say we're at this stop, it's not right. loud enough because the buses are tremendously loud. Right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't even like taking the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't even find the bus that straightforward or easy to understand. So I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. So that was our only option, which became a not option. Uh, you know, it's awful. What do you see? And I, and unfortunately I, I do have to go, I have to pick up my daughter. Um, do you see a possible solution? Um, for, for transportation, hmm. let's just go there. Like what would be, what would be, it would probably have to be a whole new type of infrastructure with automation is the only way. I completely right? agree with that. I mean, yeah. yes, we have the handy bus and yes, it's a decent price because it literally is, they come to you and take you to a place, right? which is wonderful. 
Right. But yet again, with so many of us that aren't just visually impaired, but you know, various other disabilities uh, needing the service, you may not have the scheduling to get there, which means then you've got to deal with a cab who doesn't understand your visual impairment. Right. And you don't know exactly where they're letting you off because it could be in the lot, which means you don't know exactly where the door is and they can't communicate what on a clock system or something like that to tell you where it is. Oh, it's just over there. Well, that's useless. You know what right. I mean? They don't understand your visual impairment. No, so no, exactly. The anxiety is, is, is real. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, I hope that there, there is a solution. I, uh, I feel like if there is, it'll, it might be a few years down the road, but hopefully something mm -hmm. comes up or, or really, I guess, really when we think about it too, that we're touching on an area where policy can help to make up for what technology can't, which is that they should provide that service for free uh, to people yes. with visual impairments and find some way of making the service a little more usable. And, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, normally, even though I'm visually impaired, I always had my cane when I got on the bus so they could say, okay, right. look, he's there with his cane. Yeah, you've said that this before. Is, yeah, got to keep track of this guy. Yeah, it's a you good know? visual reminder for people. Yeah, yeah, or have a little thing by their driving thing. Say, okay, look, if this, if a guy comes on with this thing, be aware of him. Right. Or her. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we're not, because I remember being on a bus and it was, uh, I was getting off uh, work around 11 o'clock or something at night at Sidetel. Yeah. He forgot all about me oh and he pulled into where they drop off all the buses. Oh no. And I waited there because he was on his break and he couldn't believe I was still there. Oh my God. Yeah. I was completely forgot about it. Eventually uh, he did, you know, he said, uh, I'm on my hour break, uh, but I will drop you off before I head back to my house. Oh my God. You know, yeah. I was grateful for, but I, had no idea where I was. I'm uh, like, yes, this thing's happened to blind people. Uh, oh, <laughs> they man. do. It's real. Yeah. Well, here's hoping people pay a little more attention, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice because that was uh, kind of just really the anxiety. Oh, oh my stress. god. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a really fun talk, actually, and we uh, we got into uh, some directions I didn't think we would. And uh, man, I can't believe an hour, an hour and a half went by like that. Really? Wow. Yeah. I and know, there's right? so much more we could like to talk about. Like, I know. There's so many other devices, you know, yeah. you know, we'll get to it all. All right. Well, thanks a lot for your time. I'll be, uh, I'll be My pleasure. hitting you up here soon for our next combo. All right. Uh, that sounds great to me.